1: Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? It used to be the most quoted scripture by religious people, you're familiar with it, John 3, verse 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, the most religious scripture quoted by religious people is judge not that you be not judged. Oh, boy, I tell you, you know, just recently, it was a Duck Dynasty, Phil Robertson spoke about, or quoted a scripture about uh, what the Bible says about homosexuality, that it's wrong, that it's a sin. He got in big trouble, but uh, I can't think of the name of that reporter, but um, he said, he made that statement. Well, you know, the Bible does say something about, you know, we're not supposed to judge, I'm telling you, if I hear one more person, one one more so-called religious nut say, well, the Bible tells us not to judge, I'm going to throw up. You Listen, man, you need to get yourself educated about the Word of God and quit using this excuse, well, the Bible tells us not to judge. Now, I'll never forget many years ago, I was at a store. It was back... Uh, when this famous television evangelist had been caught with a prostitute. They actually had video of him going into the motel room with this woman. And uh, I went down to the store, and there was this religious type in the store. And, you know, the men were sort of gathered around, and, you know, men gossip too. You know that, don't you? It's not just women. You know, men like to sit around and gossip. and. Uh, I go into that store and somebody said, hey, uh, they were talking to this guy, this other guy, this religious type, and said, what do you think about old so-and-so getting caught with a prostitute? And the religious type said, well, you know, in his splendid spiritual state of mind of ignorance, he said, well, the Bible tells me not to judge. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Now, this is very disturbing to me because these are religious people running around saying this. Well, the Bible tells me not to judge. And and, and so my question today is, what does it mean to judge not that you be not judged? Does it mean to stick your head in the sand and play dumb? Uh, Does it mean to think the best of people no matter what they do to you? you know does it mean to be aloof to your surrounding that you go around pretending not to see what you see not to hear what you hear not to feel what you feel you know the wife finds a you know it's a telephone bill where the husband has charged you know this calling this sex hotline extra couple hundred dollars is she just supposed to stick her head in the sand and pretend that she didn't see that that her husband is really, you know, the Bible tells me not to judge. I guess I'm not supposed to judge. Here's the extra two hundred dollars. You know, sex hotline. I'm just supposed not to judge anything here. Is that what it means? Is being gullible a Christian virtue? How about this? Is being stupid a Christian virtue? Is not facing reality in all its ugliness? Is that a Christian virtue also? You know, I did this God tube and I was talking about the subject of homosexuality. And, you know, I, I got something about, I got the same old thing from a religious fanatic. Said, well, you know, the Bible, you know, we're not supposed to judge anything. You know, we're not supposed to judge. Does judge not mean that you can't call a sin a sin? Does the statement, well, you know, we're all sinners. I heard that one too. You know, well, we're all sinners. Does that mean I can never be free from my sin? And look at Ephesians 5 and verse 11. It tells us how we're supposed to, what we're supposed to do. It says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh-oh, you mean I'm supposed to reprove them as a Christian? Yeah. Now, how are you going to do that if you don't have the ability to judge? Can we as Christians take a passive approach? When it comes to this subject of sin, when it comes to pointing out sin, you know, can we? Are we supposed to just take a passive approach? Notice something Jesus said here in Mark six and verse eleven. He says, "And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them." That's sort of a powerful statement. Though. You know, Jesus didn't say, well, just live the Christian example and hope someone figures out that you're a Christian. Just hope one day somehow it will dawn on them that you're a Christian. No, he didn't say that. It seems like to me that Jesus is telling us to take action. You know, Jesus didn't say, well, don't, you know, don't point out people's sins because that would be judging. Notice Matthew 24. verse nine, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now my question is why? Why would you be hated? Why would someone kill you if you're just living this passive Christian life in this stupor of, well, I'm not supposed to judge anything and we all sin and, you know, we, I just can't say anything, you know, and the Bible tells us not to do that, you know. If you're taking this passive approach, hoping someone just figures out that you're a Christian, why would they kill you? Why would you be hated? You know, you ever thought about that? You know, if you call yourself a Christian, what would cause anybody to hate you? And kill you. Jesus said look. I'm going to send you forth as sheep. Among wolves. Now we have a conundrum here. We actually do. We have a conundrum. In Matthew 7 and verse 1. It says judge not that you be not judged. And then in John 7 and verse 24. It says. Judge not according to the appearance. But judge righteous judgment. So. What's the difference between judging and judging righteous judgment? The Bible tells us to judge righteous judgment. We are supposed to judge, but we're supposed to judge righteous judgment. Well, what is righteous judgment? Okay, righteous judgment requires three things. Number one, it requires knowing what the law of God says is right and knowing what the law of God says is wrong. That's the first thing. Now, I have found that a lot of religious people don't know their Bibles very well at all. And so they don't know what the law says is right and what the law says is wrong. You know, you, got John, you see John. John goes to your church, and you see him at the grocery store. And all, all of a sudden, you realize he's got a carton of beer, buying a carton of beer at the grocery store. And you think, oh, no. I thought that guy is a Christian. And there he is, buying beer. Listen, get yourself educated. Get yourself educated. The Bible does not condemn alcohol. It does condemn drunkenness. And you've got to know the difference between the two. And, you know, there's a stigma in America. I have to admit, there is this stigma against alcohol in America. Maybe it's because of all the drunk drivers and stuff like that. I don't know why it is. But you don't see this in other parts of the country. But Where this this the stigma against alcohol? But you know, Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine. Actually, it was 120 gallons. Boy, Jesus knew how to party at a wedding feast. I guarantee you that 120 gallons—that's quite a bit. But Jesus turned water into no, 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 no. Did I hear somebody say grape juice? No, he turned water into wine. And I guarantee you, there was a lot of of people offended by jesus because he did that wow i can't believe he turned that water into wine he calls himself a christian there was children running around at his wedding feast He turning water into wine they already had wine they ran out he makes another 120 gallons you know gotta have a wine run you know 120 gallons more you know I, now i get from that that jesus probably drank a little after all he was called a wine bibber how do you get to be called a wine bibber you know he said he drank too much So I get that, you know, Jesus probably drank a little. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to try to out Jesus, Jesus. And, you know, and I imagine that people got offended at Jesus' anger. After all, I mean, he's in there throwing people out of the church. Because they were buying and selling on the Sabbath day in the temple. Buying and selling, you know. And he throws them out of the church. Imagine driving up to your church and your minister's got somebody that's scruffing of the neck and just, boom, you're out of here. Yes, they were buying and selling. You know, it's like going to a big church and to strike up a a business deal, a new business deal. You know, that's why people go to big churches. You know that, don't you? They go to big churches because they, you know, they want to make associates, acquaintances, and and connect up. Business, you know, business. You know, they're not going there because... You know the Jesus thing. And they're going there to make new business deals, and Jesus would throw you out of the church. Yeah, he really would. Be ye angry and sin not. You know that's another one. Be ye angry and sin not. Well, you are not supposed to have anger, yet the Bible says, be angry but don't sin. You know if you're if if someone is stepping on your toes all the way up on the elevator to the. 14th floor, you need to get angry. Believe me, you need to get angry. Okay, so the first one is knowledge of what the law of God says is right, and knowledge of what the law of God says is wrong. You gotta have this in order to judge righteous judgment. You gotta know your Bible. You can't just go along with what everybody else says is, is right and wrong, and all the religious traditions that's out there. Well, that's a sin, and that, that drinking is a sin, and you're going to hell, and it's, you're going to hell for anger, and you, you can't have any anger around here. And, and you know, you've you got to know what the Bible says in order to judge righteous judgment. And you know, you really, I guess you really have no right to judge. If you don't know what the Bible says about a given subject. Second thing you got to have to have righteous judgment is you got to have your facts. You know, the minister that I told about, uh, he he was caught red-handed. It was on the news. They had pictures of him, video of him going into a motel room with a prostitute. When you got the facts, it's not judging. If you catch someone stealing, it's not judging to call the man a thief. If you've proven this person is a liar, it's nothing, can't tell the truth, you know. It's nothing wrong with saying that person is a liar. Now, sometimes it's hard to get your facts straight. Often we judge others, you know, gossip, and we just pass on things that we've heard, but you know, it is sometimes hard to get, but you gotta have your facts in order to have righteous judgment. And I guess you have no right to judge others unless you have your facts. So get the facts. Once you got the facts, it's not judging. Third thing you gotta have to have righteous judgment is you've got to be living the life yourself. You know, if you're cheating on your wife, you, you really don't have any place to be talking about you know, the sin, someone else's sins of adultery. If you're stealing from your corporation, you really don't have any right to talk about you know, someone stole something from you. If you're a compulsive liar, you know, you shouldn't get angry when someone gets lies to you if you're a compulsive liar, liar. In order to have righteous judgment, you've got to live right. You've got to be an overcomer. You've got to be in the, it doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. It just means you've got to be in the process of trying to do better, of overcoming your shortcomings and your sins. You're working at it. You're working at obeying God. You want to obey God. You want to do the right thing. This is what you gotta have. And I guess, and again, you have no right to judge others unless you are living the life. So we see the ability to judge others, to have righteous judgment, uh, is really reserved to only a few, when you think about it. You gotta have the knowledge of what the law says is right and wrong. You gotta have your facts, number two. And number three, you've got to be living the life in order to have the proper kind of judgment. Now, in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 1, it says this. It says, dare any of you having a matter against another to, to go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. So what's he saying here? What he's saying, you know, like you've got people in your church carrying other brethren brethren to, to court, you know, in an unjust court system. In other words, what he's saying is that, you know, and the church is supposed to consist of wisdom and good judgment, godly judgment, righteous judgment. And he's saying, look, don't, don't take each other to court. Settle this in your church. Because there's supposed to be wisdom there. The saints are supposed to know what the law of God says. The saints are supposed to have all the facts. The saints are supposed to be living the life. Instead, they go to an unjust court. To settle it. Paul says this isn't, this isn't right to do this. Verse 2. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Well, what's that about? The saints shall judge the world. You got all these saints. You got all these religious people running around saying, well, when the Bible tells me not to judge. I can't judge anything. and We all sin. Well, this tells you you're going to judge the world. Yes. Well, what it's referring to is, you see, for the last 2,000 years, since the day of Pentecost, God has been calling his cabinet members out. Jesus Christ has been calling his cabinet members who will rule and reign with him at his return when he establishes the kingdom of God on this earth. That's what that's talking about when it says, the saints shall judge the world. Okay. Okay. So, because they're going to know, the way they're going to judge the world is because they're going to know the law of God, they're going to have their facts, and they're going to be living the life. They're going to be developing the character that is needed when Christ returns to judge the world. Verse 3, Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You know, if we're going to judge angels, we ought to be able to handle things in this life. And then angels here, it's talking about, not talking about the good angels, and there's no reason to judge them. It's talking about the fallen angels that rebelled. We're talking about demons here. We're going to be judging them. That's what that's actually talking about there. But if we're going to be doing that, how is it that we can't handle the issues in this life? All right, let's take a look at it. Matthew 7 and verse 1. The the scripture that people love to use here. Judge not that you may not be judged. For with whatever judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with whatever measure you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. Now what this is talking about is, you know, don't judge without knowledge. Of right and wrong. Don't judge without the facts. Don't judge when you haven't been living the life. This is what this is talking about here. Verse 3. And why do you look on the splinter that is in your brother's eyes, but not consider the beam that is in your own? In other words, work it out in your own life. Get your act together first. Or how will you say, verse 4 to your brother let me pull the splinter out of your eye and behold a beam is in your own eye. And that's what you call the pot calling the kettle black here. And you, this occurs a lot by the way. Verse five, hypocrite, first cast the beam out of your own eye and then you shall clearly, see clearly to cast the splinter out of your brother's eye. What's he saying here? He's saying look, Once you take care, once you get your act together, once you are living the life and you got the facts, then you'll be able to judge righteous judgment. He's not saying never judge anything. He's saying get your act together first. Know the difference between right and wrong. Get your facts together and live the life and then you can judge. He's not saying never judge. So, is that really in the Bible? Is that really in the Bible? Is it really in the Bible to stick your head in the sand and play dumb? Is it really in the Bible to think the best of people no matter what they do to you? Is it really in the Bible to be aloof to your surroundings, to wear blinders all the time, to pretend you don't see what you see, you don't hear what you hear? Is it really in the Bible to be unwilling to face reality and all its ugliness? You know, it's an ugly world out there. It's a sin-sick, ugly world. And it's, it's much discernment is necessary to live in this world. You can't go through this, in, in, through this life without, with your head stuck in the sand. You can't use the old cliches of, well, you know, we all sin. And, and, and Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And we're not supposed to, you know, we, can, we can't do anything. Has anybody found out you're a Christian? I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes. The saints are to have righteous judgment. The saints are to know what the law of God says. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the law of God? Let's start with the basics, the Ten Commandments. That's the basics right there, the Ten Commandments. You know, the psalmist will say, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. Does that describe you? Are you just spoon fed everything your minister tells you? Do you get your religion from other religious people? You know, they they come along and say, well, you know, the Bible says judge not. Jesus said judge not that you be not judged. And so we're not going to do that. I mean, It's, it's pathetic. I tell you, it really is. Do you know what the law of God says? Do you have the facts? And like I said, if you have the facts and, and this thing has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, it's on TV, everybody's talking about it, and there it is, and you can see it, and you can hear it yourself, and you can see it with your own eyes. It's not judging to repeat something that someone has done. It's not judging at all. You're just repeating a fact. There's nothing wrong with calling a spade a spade. It's not judging when you do that. And if you are living the life, and that's a big if, you know, if you are living the life and you are an overcomer and you're trying to put sin out of your life and you're trying to do your best with the power of the God's Holy Spirit in your life, then there's nothing wrong with judging. Jesus says, look, get your act together and then you'll be able to judge properly. And that's what's really in your Bible.
0: Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step by step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27. Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at Is That Really Man has the intellectual capacity to design spaceships to take him to the moon and back to invent the computer, and to do other marvelous exploits in the physical, material realm. Yet during man's nearly 6,000 years on Earth, he has proved that he cannot solve his problems with fellow men. Through the ages, man has tried to bring about a utopian paradise by every conceivable means, yet without success. He has attempted to live by every imaginable type of government. He has even tried living without any government at all absolute anarchy all of them have failed miserably why has this been so jesus christ is going to return to set up his kingdom on this earth and right now god is in the process of training future leaders that will teach true education but what is true education find out by ordering the coming utopia in this publication you will learn of god's system for re-educating society Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. The Bible reveals that we were born for a tremendous, awe-inspiring purpose, but few really understand what that purpose is. What God is doing through mankind is revealed at the very beginning of your Bible. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. To fully understand God's glorious purpose for mankind, order your free copy of Man, God's Destiny Child. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at IsThatReallyInTheBible.com.